0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for all these ladies, Lord, that have come, that have taken time away from their schedules and just the busyness of life, and that they have come to hear your word and to discuss your word in their small groups. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each one of us and teach us whatever you have for us this day. Give me that gift of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15 is where we're going to begin, and let's remember as we get into this that the word, the word that the Apostle John was writing to was writing to believers at the time as well as to us as believers. So God's word is for all times, and when I read this, I was like, 2,000 years ago, and this stuff is so applicable today. It never changes. So we can take each piece of this to heart and apply it to our lives today. So we're going to begin with the first three verses probably titled in your Bible as do not love the world. So verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And we're going to see that word abide a lot. Um, to remain, to continue, to last, to endure. So we're going to dissect this a bit. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so that word love there is agape, to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. John is giving us a warning here about the world. We're not to welcome it into our lives, to entertain the world, to be fond of it, or to love it dearly. And we can wonder when we look back at John 3.16 when it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son for us, Um, but then here he warns us very pointedly to not love the world or the things of the world. So it can seem contradictory. We use this word world often, the world of sports, the world of finances, the world of politics. The definition is an organized system made of a set of ideas, people, activities, or purposes. The word used here for the world is cosmos, which means system of the present age. Satan is ruler over the present world till Christ returns. The answer to this is not a contradiction, but it's a call to take a closer look. We are not to love this driven world system, Satan's system for opposing Christ on the earth, in a sense that we acquire it as our own or embrace it. We see this more and more as the days grow darker. So we are to love the people, to be thankful for all the Lord has created, and there are many things to appreciate about the world, even in the system itself, but there is a difference. Jesus in John 12:31 said, The ruler of this world will be cast out. And in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So that spirit, the spirit against Christ, is over this world at the present time. Because of sin. John tells us we were once part of that. We walked according to that course, but we are alive, born again to a different way of thinking and living. John now points out three allurements used by the world system to pull us away from God. And remember, he's talking to believers, so he's not talking about. All the world doing all this. He's talking about us. We need to examine ourselves. So verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So the lust of the flesh. Lust is a longing, especially for what is forbidden. The the flesh denotes mere human nature, the earthly nature of man, apart from the divine influence. And therefore, prone to sin, and prone to oppose God. God has given us certain desires, hunger, thirst, sleep, sex. These are not wrong desires, but when the flesh nature controls those desires, they become sinful lust like gluttony, drunkenness, laziness, sex outside of biblical marriage. And we see a world filled with all kinds of things. Pornography, not only for men, but also for women. And pornography is linked to the sex trafficking that we hear so much about and know is real. And so many ugly things. Our world is a mess. It's gotten harder to be in the world, but not of the world. The lust of the eyes, it's a longing or loving dearly things you see above God, things that are apart from the divine influence we have as believers. Matthew six twenty two twenty three. 23, "'The lamp of the body is the eye. "'If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. "'But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. "'If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness.'" So we see with our eyes so much now with technology and our children and grandchildren see things so much earlier than we ever did. And it grieves my heart and the lust of the eyes is always crouching at our door or at our phone or at our computer. We have to guard our eyes. And the song, be careful little eyes what you see, you guys have probably heard that and be careful little ears what you hear, that goes for all of us. And then the pride of life, boldly, rude, and disrespectful, and empty assurance, which trusts in its own power and resources, and shamefully despises and violates divine law and human rights. And we see that quite a bit in our world today. But it could affect us. It could be desires for making yourself look good for the wrong purposes, for status, for flattery. It could be getting ahead in a job at all costs to have that status, to get the accolades of man, instead of focusing on pleasing God. Colossians 3, and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So we always need to remember, who are we serving? Let's go to 1 John 2, verse 17, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so, as I said, we're going to see that a lot, Um, but for now, abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit is the key to our success against the allurements of the world. And Eve is a perfect example of these three deceptions John is discussing. In Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so there was the lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of its fruit and ate. And so we are born with a flesh nature, but when we are born again, we receive our spirit nature. The lust of the flesh has to do with man's fault nature. When we trust Christ, we are partakers then of the divine nature. The flesh is being carnally minded and we are to be spiritually minded. Romans thirteen fourteen. but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And I love that because it gives us Action. Don't provide for your flesh. Don't walk down the alcohol aisle if you are struggling with alcohol. Don't hang out at the stores or look up stuff online and easily push that Amazon button, which I can be prone to if it's not in your means to be purchasing or if you have a a real struggle with overspending. You don't provide for your flesh. You don't go to that website. You don't go down those aisles. if social media is a struggle for you, if it's causing you to put it before your time with the Lord, or if it's robbing you of time with your family, or causing you to struggle with what you see and read. And I know I've shared this before, but I had a small Instagram. I got rid of it because that was it. It was a struggle for me to see what I read, to see what I... to. To read things, to see things that were just grieving. They grieved my heart, and then my whole day was like, ugh. I just didn't like it. So I was like, I told our kids, send me great pictures of the kids. That's all I want to see. I don't so they just send me the old fashioned way on the phone, you know. So I get pictures. So you know, you have to look at yourself. What do you struggle with and how are you providing for your flesh? Galatians 5 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The world is passing away. We are passing away. We look in the mirror. We're aging. Most of us, some of you are young, but whatever we have that is new becomes old. I was cleaning out closets the last couple weeks. You know, you find things that are old and things, things, you know, disintegrate and we do too. (laughs) So we're to love people, obviously. John will be discussing this later in chapter three, next time when we discuss Cain and Abel. So it's not that we are not to love. We are never to put anything above Jesus. And to love the world is to choose what is fading over what is eternal. It's to choose this world's system over God's ways. It is to follow the world's dictates on what is truth. Over the truth of God's word. And so, what is it that pulls at you? What tries to conform you into the world's image? Is it your figure, your workout times, your career, your children, your home, your social media posts, your Amazon purchases, your 401k? What is it that we place at such a high priority that we push God aside or it takes up our thought life? Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So we must be challenged to stay focused on God's word and not entertain the desires of the flesh. In what areas of your life does the love for the world compete with your love for God? In your use of money, time, Priorities, relationships, and self examination is good for all of us. The world is encouraging us and trying to persuade us to give our time, attention, and money to the things of this world instead of the things of God. And if you love the world, there are rewards to be gained. You may find a place of prestige, status, honor, and sometimes even comfort. The world system knows how to reward its lovers. But remember, it is temporary. And I've seen this just with kids. You know, they fall into a group because they find that comfort. They find that love. They find that attention that they're looking for. But it is temporary. We must be eternally minded in this dark world that John has already discussed with us in previous lessons we have studied the darkness versus the light so where and how will we walk Luke 11:35 therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness John 17:17 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth your word is truth we are in the world but not of it Stay sanctified by the truth of God's word. And that means stay dedicated to his truth. Acknowledge him always in your choices. Stay separate from the pull of the world. Romans 12:2 tells us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that renewing there means renovating. So we're to renovate our minds by God's word, not by the world's standards. All right, let's go to verse 18 in verse, 1 John 2. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So let's look at that last hour which John wrote about over 2000 years ago. Everything Old Testament was in preparation for Christ on the cross. Everything after is preparation for the end when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom. So everything post-resurrection is the last hour. It was the last hour in John's time, as it is for us until Jesus returns. God is not limited by the time the way we are, God works in human time, but he is also above time. Second Peter three eight. but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So John lived in constant expectancy of Jesus' return. He regarded his time that he was living in as the last hour. This is an expectancy that we should also have. We should live like that, knowing that the Lord can return at any moment. And certainly, we are much closer than he was 2,000 years ago. And the signs of the times are all around us. I read in one commentary, seeing the nature of our times and what the Bible says about the end times, we should regard ourselves as being in the last few minutes. And I think as we watch the news, we can see that. So we read in verse 18 that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. So there is a distinction between the Antichrist, capital A, and many Antichrist. There is a spirit of Antichrist, and this spirit of Antichrist will one day find its ultimate fulfillment in the Antichrist, capital A, the adversary of the Messiah, who will lead humanity in an end times rebellion against God. 1 John 4, 3, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already in the world. 2 John 1, 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So the word antichrist occurs in the Bible only in the letters of John and only five times in four different verses. And you can jot these down if you want. It's in 1 John 2, 18, 1 John 2, 1 John 4, verse 3. And 2 John 1 7. But, through, but though the word is infrequent in the Bible, the idea of Antichrist is frequent and it's an important one. This Antichrist with a capital A goes by many titles, and so I'm going to quickly give it to you. He is the little horn in Daniel 7 8. He is the king of fierce countenance in Daniel 8 23. He is the prince that shall come in daniel nine twenty six He is the willful king in daniel eleven thirty six through forty five He is the one who comes in his own name in john five forty three He is the son of Perdition, the man of sin, and the lawless one in second thessalonians two three and two eight. Essentially, the Antichrist is a world dictator who leads humanity in what seems to be a golden age until he will show his true colors and the judgment of God is poured out on him and his empire immediately before the second coming of Jesus. So we should take notice because the world stage is set for that political and economic superman to arise, a single political leader to organize a world-dominating confederation of nations. National leaders speak of a new world order. I'm sure you guys hear that all the time. We hear of the Great Reset of 2030, and we see the world all wanting to get on the same page of control. All these developments should make us understand that the Antichrist is ready to be revealed when the moment is right, This leader is coming, but Jesus will come first in the rapture. So we are to be ready for him and we are to abide in him. And so we don't want to get so focused on the Antichrist because we want to be focused on our king. So the spirit of Antichrist, though, is behind every false doctrine and every religious substitute for the truth that is in God's word, the truth of who Jesus is. That prefix anti actually has a dual meaning. It can mean, in the Greek, both against Christ and instead of Christ. Satan, in his frenzy, is fighting Christ and his eternal truth, and he is substituting his counterfeits for the realities found only in our Lord Jesus. The spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. We see it working in so many areas. Anything against Christ, God's creation, which we're seeing that happening a lot, his will, his truth, is that spirit of Antichrist. And it's vital that we know God's truth and we can recognize what is not of God. We must stay true to God's word to be alert and aware and not be deceived. And John here is warning us about deception in these verses. So keeping with that theme of the spirit of Antichrist, John writes in 1 John two nineteen. as we continue, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So they went out, from us. This shows that many of these antichrists, those opposed to Christ, at one time or another identified themselves with Christian communities because they went out from us. They were in the community. But to clarify, John isn't talking about someone who leaves the church to go to another good Bible-believing church. Their kids need a better program or God's calling them here. He's not talking about that. He meant those who leave the community of God's people all together. This reveals that they were never really part of God's people to begin with. And now John speaks directly to us again in encouragement in 1 John 2 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. And we're going to discuss that anointing when we get down to verse 27. So we're going to go to verse 21. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Um, In verse 20, John used a different word for know than he often used before. Previously, John used the word meaning knowledge by experience, but here he uses the word meaning knowledge by intuition. We We know some things intuitively by the Holy Spirit, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our lives. And as we go forward... There are many that deny the deity of Jesus, and these next verses clearly state what God teaches. There is no justification for someone who believes in God but denies the Son. They will not be saved. Oftentimes it is said, we all worship the same God. You have one name for him, and I have another. And it's all roads lead to the same place. You've all heard it. And here is the question to ask in response. Was your God perfectly revealed in Jesus Christ? And if your God was, then you have the same God. If your God wasn't perfectly revealed in Jesus, then you do not have the same God as in the Bible. And so we have to make that clarification very clearly. 1 John 2.22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, what we're just talking about, the Messiah. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So it doesn't mean he's the Antichrist with a capital A. It just means he's against Christ. 1 John 2:23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let's look at a supporting scripture for this in John 12:44 to 46. You can move there if you want or you can just listen. Then Jesus cried out and said, "He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me, and he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness." And 1 John 2:24 Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So we protect ourselves from, against the spirit of the Antichrist by abiding in the original core Christian message, that which you heard from the beginning in the word. As we walk in the simplicity and power of that message, we will not be led astray. And as we have discussed before, abide means to remain in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. And when we seek him, stay in the word and in fellowship, we will abide in him. John 15:4 and 5 says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing and that's a wonderful illustration of abiding i would encourage you to jot it down John 15:4 and 5 And then 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. And I want to say what I, we have a friend who has a Down syndrome young adult, and he's so cute. When I used to be on Instagram, he always gives a verse for the day, and he always says, wow, what a promise, what a verse. And that's what I want to say to that. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life, and he does it so cutely. What a promise, what a verse, wow. So 1 John 5.11 says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. All right, back to first john two twenty six these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you mark thirteen five Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. John is saying, I have written these things to you don 't let the spirit of the Antichrist deceive you. This deception falls into the allurements of the world that we discussed. Um, as well as the deception of the spirit of the Antichrist. It is a trap. It is deceptive. So we are to take heed. Jesus says, be alert and be aware. First John 2.27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So you have an anointing. Here John referred to a common anointing belonging to all believers. This is an anointing that makes discernment possible for those who seek it in the Lord. And that's why it says, and you know all things. This text is not telling us not to have human teaching. It is simply telling us that we are given the Holy Spirit to teach us his truth and to test anything that we hear against the word. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 tells us, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so we do need teachers. Jesus was God's anointed one or Messiah, who had been foretold by the prophets of the Old Testament. And I'm just going to give you a couple verses. I'm not going to read them. Psalm 45, 7 and Isaiah 61:1 These as well as other verses show us that Jesus had an anointing to fulfill his purpose as God's special messenger. Another example of anointing is a woman who poured perfume on Jesus' head as an anointing before his death. And you can find that in Mark 14, 3 through 9, but I'm not going to read that either. There's so much in these verses, you have to do your own study. Anointing also refers to a spiritual process in which the Holy Spirit empowers a person, heart, and mind with God's truth and love. And that is what is he, he is referring to in these verses 20 and 27 in 1 John 2. and the example Example of this anointing was on the day of Pentecost after Jesus's resurrection, in a great outpouring of His Holy Spirit on believers, and that's in Acts two one through four. The Apostle Paul declared that all followers of Christ are anointed as God's very own and set apart to His service. So let's move to First John two twenty eight. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So some will be afraid when Jesus returns as they believed in him, so they thought but they never knew him there is a difference matthew 7:21 through 23 says not everyone who says to me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to, the, declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And we've talked about that before, practicing lawlessness and righteousness. Righteousness is having your relationship with Jesus. That's the ticket to heaven. If you don't have that, he will say, I never knew you. And that's those are strong words and very sobering. Then others will be ashamed because they knew him. They knew him, and he will say, I know you. Yet they chose to live in the world not following after him and not leaving the world behind. There will be a loss of rewards. 1 Corinthians 3.15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. In Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so we clearly have a choice to abide and have that confidence when he returns or calls us home. And we've seen that word a lot this morning. So the question is, as I close it, get ready to close this up, are you abiding in him? Am I abiding in him? Are you staying in that given place, state, relation or expectancy with him? Are you continuing with him, dwelling, enduring, tarrying with him? Self-evaluation again. Abiding in Jesus or living in Jesus is not a passive thing. It is an active thing. And what does it look like? And are you proactive? And so I'm just going to take you to one verse, Acts 2:42, which says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is God's word, this is what the disciples did in the early days, and fellowship, which we've talked about in past lessons, that we need each other, in the breaking of bread, which is church attendance and community, and in prayers, our prayer life keeps us focused. So I want to quickly look at that word steadfastly at, as it implies to abiding. Steadfastly is to adhere to one, be his adherent, to be devoted or constant to one to be steadfastly attentive unto to continue all the time in a place to persevere and not to faint to show oneself courageous which you need to be more courageous in the world we're living in to be in constant readiness for one wait on constantly so i just thought these were really good definitions of abiding it's a it's vital that we abide in Christ and so our last verse in 1 John two twenty nine, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. This last verse is confirmation of who Jesus was and encouraging us in our walk to live righteously. John reminds us to die to our sin nature and rather take on the spiritual nature and to abide in his truth. And so in closing, be aware of the spirit of the Antichrist, the lure of the world, those things that keep us from Christ and abide in him. Be steadfast. That is the only remedy, is to abide in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord. And as we go into our groups, I pray as we dig into these verses, there's so many, that we would glean from one another, that we would encourage one another to abide, to continue, to be steadfast. Lord, we thank you that we have everything we need to do it. And we're so grateful we have the word of God on our laps. And Lord, we pray for the food that you have blessed us with. Thank you so much for the ladies that have taken the time to prepare it and bring it. And we give this rest of this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen.